What a blessing tonight. Thank you so much, Sister Andrea. And uh, we are so thankful. Uh, where, where would you be had he not rescued you? And there's a little bit of a ring in the sound system. I don't know if you can hear that back there, but uh, maybe we can do something about that here shortly. But where would you be? I know that without Jesus Christ, I like that old song, without him I would be drifting. Without him, I'd be enslaved. And so with him, though, man, life is something special. I want you to invite you to book of Acts chapter number 9 with me. The last several weeks on Wednesdays, we have viewed some inspiring examples from the Bible. Uh, these men and women that we've seen so far, we can look and we can see their lives and we can gather strength for our daily Christian walk. And some of my favorite books to read uh, are by far Christian biographies. Are you encouraged uh, when we read of people like Ad Adoniram Judson, uh, who was mentioned in the song service tonight, or uh, that just the great story of my country, Tizidi, and the author there. Uh, thank you, Brother David, for sharing that with us tonight. We're encouraged by those things. We're encouraged by Christians who go through great trials, and yet they remain faithful to the Lord. And so these stories inspire our faith, and they give us confidence that Jesus Christ still reigns, doesn't he? And, and so oftentimes we encourage our children I, if I read a good biography, I give it to my son and I say, listen, I want you to read this. It'll really encourage your faith. Uh, men like Dallas Billington who built a, a great uh, building in the midst of the Great Depression. Uh, other men like uh, W.E. Dow or some of the others that are closer to, to home here. Or maybe even the Apostle Paul who are further away. Regardless, we're encouraged by these. We've seen so far four lives. The first one we saw uh, was, uh, was Ruth. And her selfless decision just to follow uh, Naomi and to really just to give of herself freely. And we saw her life and her example there in the book of Ruth. And then we looked at the man Barnabas. Man, what an encourager. Uh, a man who was such an encourager, they changed his name to something that means encouragement. And son of, son of consolation, son of encouragement. And so I'm thankful that Barnabas had that ministry of encouragement, and it shares with us a challenge that we too can be encouragers to those around us. And then we live in an age of doubt, and so we were reminded by Moses' faith that we don't have to doubt. We can continue to trust God, and we continue to take Him at His word. And then when, because we live at a time when the gospel is not easily accepted or received, we look for the last couple of weeks at the life of Stephen who was able to declare the gospel boldly. Well, tonight in the book of Acts, we're going to see a lady, and we're introduced to a lady named Dorcas. Now, when I was in high school, that wasn't a good name, but it's not the same thing as we used back then in high school. But this was, this was a name that uh, means literally a female roebuck or gazelle. Uh, the, this reference often was used as a symbol or an emblem of beauty. And so when someone was uh, called, called them a gazelle, they were talking about their beauty and their grace and their dignity. And so Dorcas was really the Greek name uh, that she was given. And uh, this was also uh, the, the, the name uh, in Hebrew would have been Tabitha. And so we see both names used here in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 43. Dorcas initially, and then we see Tabitha mentioned. But Tabitha is also the same name that was uh, given to the mother of King Joash. And so a similar name there. And so we see where that, uh, where that stemmed from. But this Greek name probably was used because of where she lived. We are introduced to her in verse number 36. And we see that she comes from the town of Joppa. Now help me, church. What happened significant in Joppa? 
Jonah. Someone said Jonah. Good. He didn't go to Joppa except to buy a ticket to get out of, uh, to, to avoid the Lord's calling in his life. And so we see this same Joppa that's being mentioned here. It's about 50 miles uh, northwest of Jerusalem, and it sits right on the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's a seaport, and it was frequented uh, by foreigners. And no doubt she would have adopted a, a Greek name so that she could have done more business with those Greeks. Well, Joppa is, the, uh, is a, an important place in, uh, for tonight as we see the life of Tabitha here. But Tabitha... As we look here tonight, we're going to see she had a distinct reputation. She was a woman who is known as a being full of good works. Literally, we're going to see her godliness, her example of godliness in her life because she was willing to allow that to be shown in the world around her and especially in the church and among the brethren. She helped people in many ways, and we'll see this in the text. Uh, she used her talents to bless others, and she was a woman. Uh, I like what one person wrote. She, he said, she was a woman who with her needle embroidered, embroidered her name permanently into the beneficence of the world. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor than silver and gold. You see, with her kindness, with her generosity, with her love for the brethren, we, we are genuinely won over by Tabitha. And we look at her with a love for her because we knew that she had that for others. And I remind you what the Bible says about this, this love for one another. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that, knoweth, uh, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And so her works demonstrated this kind of love. And we'll see this in the text in just a moment as we read it. But that she loved God, and her works showed her love for the Lord. John chapter 13, the words of Jesus Christ, he says in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. We look at Dorcas or we look at Tabitha here, we look at her life and there's no doubt in my mind that she was a genuine believer. There's no doubt in my mind, not just the testimony of others, but the, uh, the evidence of her life points to the fact that she loved Jesus Christ and she loved those around her. So let's look at her life tonight, verse number 36 through 43, and we're going to see uh, a little bit about uh, her here this evening. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called uh, Dorcas, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had now called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. Let's stop there and pray. Father, we thank you for this distinct privilege, opportunity to be able to be obedient to your word and to gather together in your name. 
Lord, for the purpose of fellowship, for the purpose of singing praise, Lord, as the psalmist says, let us uh, enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Lord, that is our desire tonight. And Lord, we've endeavored to do so through the songs. But Lord, we're also grateful that we can be obedient in studying and applying your word to our lives. And so as we jump into the word of God, and as we uh, are inspired by this tremendous example of this life of Tabitha, God, I just pray that you would uh, strengthen our faith. And Lord, help us, Lord, to continue, Lord, by faith uh, to do, do those things which you've called us to do here on this earth. Lord, you've given us a short time. Lord, it's uh, here on this earth to do uh, the works before us. And so until the day that you call us, may we found, uh, be found faithful. Now bless this time, bless our students, our children, Lord, our teenagers, our preschoolers, as they're in the other parts of the building. Lord, would you uh, guide their hearts to Christ as well. And may you just help us to be sensitive and uh, willing to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look here tonight, we're going to see a legacy of Tabitha's uh, godliness. And we're going to see, really, uh, also the loss that her passing created, as well as we're going to look at the Lord that worked a wonderful work on her behalf. And so let's look first at this legacy that she left behind. As we look at Tabitha's life, we find that she didn't preach in the church. She didn't lead the early church, but she was used mightily of God here in this church. There was a wonderful testimony said about her in verse 36. If we look here, it says, uh, it says, one, that she was a disciple. Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple. So we see immediately that she was a person that followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, she was a believer. She, there was no doubt in my mind that this young lady uh, had trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And it says in the, in the next portion, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it describes it a little bit more in detail later in the passage here. But we see she was immediately full of good works. This is one of the testimonies that were said of her. When we're saved, we're saved by faith. Works does not play a role in our salvation. Uh, I don't uh, work my way to heaven. There's no magical scale. And I think for most of us in this room, we're going to be able to come to the Word of God and say, Yes, we believe Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. Do you believe that tonight, church? Amen. So, so we understand that, that Dorcas or Tabitha was not saved by her works. That, that, that's not what we're disputing here tonight. It's by grace alone, through our faith in Jesus Christ, that we see salvation comes. And so we don't see that her works are her means of salvation, but they showed what God had already done in her life. And that's the important part that we've got to see here this evening. Because as they mourned her, uh, they showed Peter the good works that they were doing. And they weren't saying, look, these works saved her, but they were instead they were celebrating a life that was dedicated to selflessly serving others. She had, she had seen that in Jesus. She was duplicating that in her own life. When we're saved, we're also saved for a purpose. And God gives us the opportunity to live out a brand new purpose in this life. Not the old purpose. The old purpose was selfish. The old purpose was sinful. The old purpose was full of me. But the new purpose is full of Jesus Christ. The new purpose is to live for Him. He says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved. Uh, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But in verse 10 he says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He says, you have a brand new purpose. And see, he says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He says, God's purpose, when he saved you, before you were ever saved, was that you would use what, what life we have left after salvation to walk 
in good works and fulfilling that call in our life. Well, this young lady, Tabitha, had proven that. Think about what good works that God has called us to do. Jesus Christ, His good works, was found in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That was His purpose. I've shared that for... Uh, Pastor Tolbert shared that. I've shared that multiple times. Uh, because I, I want us to be reminded that Jesus Christ came for the, surf, the purpose of seeing us saved. We were lost. I was lost on my way to hell. But Jesus Christ came. Thank you. What a wonderful song uh, that was sung to remind us of that. Well, listen, when we're saved, now we have a purpose that coincides with His purpose. Mark 16, 15. It says, go, you go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because Christ came to save the lost. And so our purpose then aligns with Him. Now, I'm grateful to be a dad. I wear a lot of roles in my life. I, I get to be a dad. Amen. And that's fun. It's, it's fun to be a, a man, to be able to serve the Lord as a man and to care for my family, protect my family, to love my family, to lead my family. No, those are fun responsibilities and roles that God has me. But the greatest role I have is to fulfill God's purpose for my life. And I'm grateful that we get to do that uh, and, and to be obedient in that. As we perform good works, we are demonstrating to the world the benevolence of our wonderful Father. Remember his love for you? John 3, 16, for God so, what does it say, church? Loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know this verse. We know this truth. And I want to remind you that God saved you so that we might be able to uh, disseminate that information throughout the world and tell everyone that God loves them. Well, listen, anybody can talk the talk. Brother Ronnie's here with us. I love, uh, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be singing and preaching for us again on a Sunday night. And so we're just telling you ahead of time so that you know when to book uh, your time out of town. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, want, you don't want to miss Brother Warren. Uh, he's such a blessing. Uh, and I'm so thankful for him and Mary Lou, uh, who just turned 39 uh, just a couple of days ago. And so, But he sings a song where your walk talks and your talk talks. Well, which one talks the loudest? Your walk talks the loudest. Well, Tabitha, she didn't just talk the talk. She walked the walk that God had for her. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly arrays. He says, I'm not worried about the outward things. He says, but look at the inward things, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. That was Tabitha. She said with her life, she wanted to make sure uh, with her testimony that people uh, see Jesus in her. Over the years, others have been inspired by Tabitha's example. Now, we're not as, as familiar with these. Matter of fact, I had to look up what these words I was studying. It came up in some of the commentaries I read. But uh, there are societies called Dorcas societies. I guess if you were part of the Dorcas society, you'd be an official dork. I don't really know. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> But these are groups of ladies based in a church who have the purpose of helping the poor and the needy in their community. 
And so she has inspired others by her benevolence, by her willingness to go and do works to others. She says, listen, others have been inspired by this. And if we look for it, there's a lot of good that people can do in the world. I like what Lockyer said, though. He says, good works are only genuine and Christian when the soul of the performer is imbued with them. The cup of cold water to be accepted must be given in his name. With Dorcas, then, being uh, good meant doing good. Her manifold good works flowed from a heart grateful to God for him his saving grace. In other words, she did good because of what Christ did in her. Listen, we're not saved by our good works. We are saved to good works. Let us not forget that. Uh, and so may I be willing to ask, may we be willing to ask ourselves this question, what do my works say about me? But we also see that she was full of charity. We see that she was full of good works and alms deeds. Uh, and so looking at the example of Christ, we will never find a more gracious or loving giver than Jesus Christ. We would all agree with that. He is our ultimate example when it comes to giving, when it comes to just knowing how to love others, when it comes to, to sacrificing yourself. What kind of love did Christ have in order to give up everything to be treated like nothing? You know, as we look at Tabitha's life, we find her life was reminiscent of that Proverbs 31 woman. Think about the Proverbs 31. You can look there in your Bible. We're going to look at one verse there out of that passage. It's a lengthy passage as she discusses that. But growing up, no doubt, she had been taught as a, as a Hebrew some of this, uh, some of Psalms 31. And she would have learned that a godly woman, her price is far above rubies. And her mother, no doubt, would have guided her and said, Listen, I'm going to teach you to sow and I'm going to teach you these things. And I want you to use these things for the Lord in your life. Well, Proverbs 31 verse 20 says, She stretcheth out her hands to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. So she knew this about this Proverbs 31 woman. In this example, then, she didn't just hear it, but she acted upon it. And this is not exclusively for women, may I just say this. A Christian, no matter our gender, whether we're male or female, we're called to walk worthy of the Lord in all of these things. Colossians 1.10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen, she walked worthy. She was given. Uh, she was a very giving person. She called, showed kinds, uh, kindness and uh, acts of kindness to the poor. She made clothes and garments for other Christians and specifically for widows. One commentator said, uh, talking of her because her name means gazelle. The gazelle is distinguished for its slender and beautiful form, its graceful movements, and its soft but brilliant eyes. It is frequently introduced by the Hebrews and other Oriental nations as an image of female loveliness. And the name was often employed as a proper name in the case of females. Whether Dorcas, whose name means gazelle, was a beautiful woman or not, we are not told. She certainly lived a lovely life and had eyes reflecting the compassion of the Master whom she so faithfully served. All whom she influenced and helped saw the beauty of Jesus. As a disciple, she certainly had faith in the one who had called her, but she came to see that faith without works is dead. She also knew that works without faith gain no merit with God. And so faith, uh, and so the hands that dispensed alms and made garments were inwardly inspired by him whose hands were nailed to a tree. May we be willing to put works to our faith. Be willing to say, I want to live a life that is a life of good works, doing good deeds. And this time of year, we often 
think about that. I've had several families already approach me and say, we want to be a help and a blessing to a family in need this year. And just as Tabitha's legacy demonstrated to her world that she was a godly woman, may our legacy also point out to those around us, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, may they see that we also have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now look at verse number 37 through 39, and we're going to see the loss, the loss that this community sustained when Tabitha passed away. This week uh, I have uh, attended uh, two funerals so far, and I have uh, attended another, I will attend another one tomorrow. Uh, sometimes death uh, is very difficult. But the reality is if we're going to live life, we're going to experience some loss. There's going to be some grief. This is part of life ever since the fall. And when we, when we experience the loss of a loved one, I tell you, it can be very devastating. Whether that's a loss of a loved one or maybe a loss of, of health or wealth or any of those things, how we handle the loss is important. William Sangster was told by, uh, of a, uh, of a, of a, had given a diagnosis that he had progressive muscular atrophy. And he made four resolutions and he kept them faithfully until his death. He said, one, I will never complain. Secondly, I will keep the home bright. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to uh, go through depression. Thirdly, he said, I will count my blessings. Amen. Amen. And four, I will try to turn, turn it to gain. He says, whatever, whatever I face, no matter how difficult it may be, these are going to be my four things. I won't complain. I'll keep the home bright. I'm going to count my blessings, and I'm going to turn it to some sort of gain. And so let's look at uh, these verses here together in verses 37. And we're going to see, one, the cause for action. It says, And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, and, and whom they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. For as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him, Two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And then Peter arose and went with them. Now let me just stop here and, and if you'll uh, give you a little bit of context. Because if we look back in the book of Acts 9, there was a real revival going on in the midst of the church in this time. There was a lot of great things happening. In the very first part of the chapter, we saw, uh, saw Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And he's traveling along the road. He's introduced to Jesus Christ, and he was gloriously saved there on the road. And then later in the chapter, we see where Peter is called to the, uh, to the home of one. Uh, in, uh, uh, it is, goodness, Lydda uh, is where he was. Excuse me, I forgot where he was. Anyways, and he was in Lydia, Lydda there, and as he's there, we see that uh, he healed a man, and there was large numbers of people that were getting saved, and the Lord was really moving mightily in this moment. So, uh, so it would be hard if you're in the midst of a revival and things are happening, people are getting saved, people's lives are being transformed. It would be hard to leave that atmosphere and go help someone who died, More particularly to help those grieving Christians. But that's exactly what Peter did. They went and left Joppa, they went to Lydda, and as they came to Lydda, we see that Peter arose and immediately went with them, and he was come. He brought them into the upper chamber, he saw this, he saw the widows crying, they showed him all the garments that, he, that, they, had, uh, that they had done, but I love the fact that, that, that Peter was willing to take time to come and to bring comfort. Let me remind you that God calls us as a, as a body of Christ to come together. We need one another. I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters right here in this building. 
I'm thankful for the encouragement you've been to me over the years. I'm thankful for the times we've had to encourage you. And I'm thankful, Lord, that, that for the Lord for allowing us to be together for such a time as this because I know that God is using your life and my life for uh, reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Well, and as we think about this, Romans chapter 12, verses 15, 16 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them with, that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. And be not wise in your own conceits. Listen, he says, listen, may we have that mind of Christ that permeates this place. That this may, ne may this never be a place of dissension. May this may never be a place where we're in inner turmoil, where Satan is able to get the victory and bring, uh, bring hurt. And, and, uh, and anger and those things amongst his people. May we constantly keep our eyes upon the Lord. May we constantly keep our hearts upon the lost. May we constantly have a desire to be an encouragement to one another because that is the example that Tabitha left. She said, listen, I want to be a blessing to those who are less fortunate. I want to be encouragement to those who are going through hurts. And may that also be our testimony that we, like as Hillside Baptist Church, are willing to say, I want to be a blessing to those that are hurting. See, this calling caused Peter to step away from a great revival and rush to the side just to be there. The cause was real, but the cause was for sorrow. Over the years, we've done a lot of funerals, haven't we, Pastor? 2017 alone was one of the most devastating years we ever walked through. I remember that year, between the two of us, there was over 70 funerals. We had a party in, or I preached, we lost two of our dear deacons, Joe Shepard and Dwight Kilmer Sr. We lost uh, Joyce Daniel, who played our piano for over 30 or 35 years. Over 35 years. I tell you, that was, a, that was a difficult time to walk through those things together. In the church, we experienced a deep sorrow. Matter of fact, it was hard to get deacons the next year. <laughs> Just kidding. But we went through a great sorrow together. And we grieved together. Listen, our faith is in the Lord, and we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. We believe the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 4. We know that we're going to see our loved ones again. This is not the end when we say goodbye. It's just to see you later. We get this, but we still grieve, just like this church grieved. In verse 39, it says, And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments. They grieved over this one that they loved so dearly. I tell you, she had a, a big impact because she was faithful to the Lord. She had a big impact because she was a part of the ministry. She had a big impact because these people knew her and loved her. And when we serve the Lord, our spirit in service is more important than what we do. And that's what we see in her life. She had a great spirit. She had a great heart. She had a great love for those around her. And when she passed, all these people were gathered around weeping at her, at her bedside there. And I, I, I know over the years we've done a lot of funerals, and in those sometimes we barely know the person. Sometimes we do a funeral, and, and we literally just know the family members and only some stories about what we hear about the deceased. And so we get up and we preach a, a generic message because we don't know the individual in the casket. We only know by proxy some of the stories that we've heard. And then there's sometimes that we stand and we preach a funeral of a friend. Tabitha was a friend. Years ago, there was a, there was a saying that students picked up, and it says, live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. 
And when, I remember when Barry Ben Black, my heart was heavy. And I said, I got one better. Live your life so that even the preacher cries at your funeral. Man, may you be a friend like Tabitha, one that was loved and loved deeply. Luke chapter 10, we're introduced to two people. We often preach, we love to preach about Mary and Martha serving the Lord. And, uh, and let me just say, both of them served the Lord. Both of them served the Lord in their own way. But the difference was, I think Jesus Christ was pointing out a difference in their spirit of serving. Look, look at these texts with me, verse 40 through 42. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she, uh, she helped me. A little bit of a jealousy, maybe a little bit of angst there. In verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled. See, the spirit, he's not, he's not saying that you shouldn't be in the kitchen, you shouldn't be serving. It's not what he's complaining about. What he's saying is that your spirit is troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see, it was her spirit that he was, that he was rebuking Martha for. It was not what she did. Uh, although it may seem as so on the surface, but Tabitha, as she served, she served joyfully. And as a result, she was grieved deeply by this church potty. And may we have a desire to be a help and a blessing and to be an encouragement to one another. May we have that attitude of humility about helping with a meal with joy or teaching in a class with joy. And Sister Gaynell, she says, I get to serve the Lord today. I, I love that spirit. I get to go serve in the, in the nursery today. Now, I don't know if I would have that spirit, but I hope I would. Yeah, I get to go change diapers. Hooray. But man, what a great spirit. Nine, Mark 9, 35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. May we have that spirit of humility, that spirit of grace as we serve Jesus with joy. But there was also a cause for remembrance. Many people were touched by Tabitha's sacrifice. They were touched by her generosity, and they were grief-stricken at her death. And she had been really a special comfort to the widows in the church who in those days who would have little means of support. There was no Medicaid. There was no Medicare. There was nothing to care for them. Uh, and so really, she made clothing for them. She knew that this was going to be vital to their uh, survival. Uh, and so uh, uh, she was willing to sacrifice so that these women would have what they needed. James one twenty seven says, Pure religion... And undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and, the, and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God has a special love. I was talking to Brother Welch last night and we were visiting a little bit and sharing, he shared a little bit of my, our, his testimony with me. And I believe God has a special love for, for those who are fatherless and widows. God demonstrates a great love for them, and in the church, may we also have that love. Look at Psalms 146 and verse 9. He says, The Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and the widows, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Psalms 82.3, Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. H.A. Ironside said this, this is one of the very real evidences of a truly converted person. She was deeply interested in doing good to others. I'm afraid sometimes we forget that, it, uh, that side of it. Many professing believers are so terribly self-centered 
They seem to be looking constantly for some new religious thrill or new spiritual experience. They're always looking inside and always seeking blessing for themselves. The ideal Christian is one who is resting in Christ for his soul salvation. And now, he is, and now his great concern is not his own salvation, but that of others. He is interested in making Christ known and in doing good in a temporal way to others. James says it like this in James 2, 15 and 16. If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not of those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? This dear woman loved the Lord. It was manifest in a very practical way, and she was not satisfied with just reading her Bible only, she, but she had a consecrated needle, and she had a, used it for the blessing of those around her. And the Spirit of God preserved this record that we might learn from her and never forget. Now, this story doesn't end. Verses 40 through 42 teach us about the Lord of Tabitha. Last week we saw the same thing in Stephen's death. It was easy to question. Why would God allow such a terrible situation to arise? If you go to Children's Hospital, it's easy to question why God would allow such suffering and such innocence. Yet even last week we saw God use Stephen's death to bring uh, uh, Saul to Jesus Christ. And he became Paul. And we see that even in uh, Tabitha's death, that God uses this to bring glory to Christ. Souls are saved and the church rejoices. We'll remind you of Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So the Lord, first off, we see He sent the Apostle Peter. And so the Lord could have laid on Peter's heart, don't worry about it, you can go later, she's already dead, don't worry about it. But instead, we see first uh, that God sent the Apostle Peter. And Peter, when he got there, he prayed. And by prayer, Peter acknowledged his dependence upon his God. He was not saying, listen, I'm the almighty Peter, and I shall heal this woman. He, he knelt and he prayed. And look at verse number 40. And he says, but Peter put them all forth, and he kneeled down, and he prayed, turning him to the body. He, he, spent, he spent time, and he said, God, please help me. Please, would you, would you be gracious to this woman and these people? Listen, this healing was not due to his, his actions, but to the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter also presented her alive. The grief that had gripped the church at Joppa was replaced in this, in this very verse by wonder and joy. Look at verse number 40. And, and when she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her. And when he called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. They went from despairing to rejoicing. Man, that would be something. That would be some kind of a funeral to attend, Pastor. <laughs> Man, to have one raise up out of the casket and say, okay, I'm done. Let's, let's go ahead. But that's what happened in this moment. He put them forth. He prayed and he said, Lord, he said, would you please heal this woman? And he turned to the body, just like Jesus, when he called out to Lazarus, come forth. He looked at this woman and he says, well, Tabitha, arise. As far as we know, there was no other apostle save the apostle Paul who raised the dead. Yet it was essential that the world should know that wherever there is need, we can have the power to do the work that Jesus did. Just as he promised. Remember John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he believe, that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he, he, he do, excuse me, the works that I do shall he do also. 
And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Listen, we look around at the church sometimes, and we think the church, it looks faithless. Churches in America, they look hopeless. Around the world, the church seems powerless. But when we get from this, what we see from uh, the book of Acts, and when we look here specifically at this church, we don't see a church that's faithless or hopeless or powerless. What they, we see is a church that had a faith in a great God. We see that their hope was not diminished, even in death. And we see that their power, the, the power of God was on full display. This was a tremendous, tremendous time in the church history. And may we be reminded that this same power that worked in the first century, still God desires to work in our lives today. And when we go to hand that track, when we go to open our mouths and speak the truth, may we know that the power of God goes with us. We don't have to be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, church, don't be afraid. The, the same power is available. If we'll submit to him completely, if we'll remove the sin from our life and we'll walk with Jesus Christ, God says we can see victory once again. Well, we see here that many, many were saved. This was a glorious time. God used this miracle to confirm the message of the gospel. The, compo the composer, Ludwig van Beethoven, lived much of his life in near deafness. Actually, fear of deafness. And he was concerned because he felt this sense of hearing loss uh, was coming on him. And, and he really felt like that hearing was going to be essential to his ability to be able to create music. And so when he discovered the thing that he feared the most was coming rapidly on him, he was almost frantic with anxiety. He consulted doctors, he tried treatments, everything, every kind of remedy he could ever hear. He, he went, but this deafness just simply increased and increased until at last his hearing was gone. Beethoven finally found the strength he needed to to go on despite his great loss. And it's, it's amazing that some of his greatest works were composed after he became totally deaf. The reality was all the distractions were shut out. All he could hear was the melodies that flooded him when all, everything else was gone. His deafness became a great asset. In the same way, God used the death of Dorcas, this death of Tabitha, this miracle here in this to perform a greater miracle. And this, this salvation of souls. God worked through Tabitha's miraculous return to life to bring more people to the saving faith in Jesus Christ. And the story was quickly spread throughout Joppa. And many who heard it believed and were saved. Listen, the reality is one of these days, all of us will be like Tabitha on that bed. We will one day die. Will those who are left behind be able to show any good thing that we have done? Can they say, well, he was a Christian and he was ready to go. Or, or would they be able to say, well, I knew they went to church. Or, man, I, I knew they were faithful to the Lord. Man, they witnessed to me on countless occasions. I can't tell you how many times they opened their mouth and they talked about the Lord. Can they, would they ever be able to say, his life was lived for others? Could they ever say, he did many, many good works? What kind of memories will we leave in the hearts of others? Years ago, I mentioned... That, that popular saying, live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. And let me just, just say, God wants us to live our life so that we bring glory to Him. 
Peter took up this hand of death and he spoke into these death and these dead ears and he said arise she arose she was restored to those who had needed her and he went back to work to uh, and serve them once again and you and I we were once dead in sin Christ came, he took us by the hand, he lifted us up and he saved us. And so let me ask you, what kind of work are you doing? What kind of work am I doing? Are we serving him and others? After a fierce battle, an army chaplain walked out upon the battlefield and his Bible was tucked under his arm. And he found a boy, he was wounded there. He said, my son, would you like for me to read you something out of the book? So he knelt there beside the boy and the just wounded and hurting, the boy said, Sir, I'm so thirsty. I'd rather have you get me some water. So the chaplain, he rushed off and he got him a drink of water and he brought it to the boy and he said, Here you go, son, take a drink of this. He said, and, and then the boy said, Could you lift my head and put something under it? He said, I'm so uncomfortable and I'm, I'm just hurting so bad. And so the chaplain, he took off his coat and he, he rolled it up and he placed it underneath the boy's head for a pillow. Next, the boy, he said, boy, I'm just so cold. wish I had something over me. The chaplain, he took off his, his other coat. He had an outer coat and an undercoat. And he wrapped it around the boy. Finally, the boy looked at the chaplain and he said, Sir, if you do those things for me, if you would give me something to drink and you'd take care of me and you'd, you'd care for me, I'm ready to hear what your book says. You know, the reality is you and I are maybe the only Bible this world ever hears or sees. The reality is it's the whole world is watching you and I. They want to know we're going to take that, that, that coat and we're going to roll it up and place it under the head of that bloody soldier and we're going to care for them and love for them in this moment. Are we going to care for those around us in a time where people need so desperately to see the love of Christ? And this world is, this world is full of hurt. This world is full of sorrow. This world is full of hate. May we be able to say, here, I've got something far greater than the hate of this world, and that's the love of our Father. Would you bow your head with me tonight? Tonight we saw an example of a lady who said, let me, dem let me demonstrate my godliness. Faith without works is dead. What would people say of your life? So, Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to demonstrate your works on the cross for me. For God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, you, you showed us, you demonstrated a love that was unparalleled. Lord, never before have we ever seen, not since, not before, have we ever seen a love like the love that you showed us on the cross, oh God? And so, Lord, out of that great love that you have for us, may we also be willing to demonstrate to this world, to one another, the love of Christ. May our faith be shown by our works. This is your time, Lord. We give it to you in Jesus' name.